Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, rare ones, and welcome back to the Rivers Podcast. And I am your host, Joanne. And this evening, I am joined by the lovely Rita Aleguma, who is based in Uganda. Hello, Rita, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be part of this. I'm so yeah. glad. Thank you so much for looking out for me, Joanne. Yeah, thank you for being on the show, Rita. Happy to have you here. Equally glad to have you here. So, Rita, where in Uganda are you from? Where are you based? Uh, well, in Uganda, I am based in Kampala. Uh, Kampala mm -hmm. is the capital city of Uganda. Uganda is the part of Africa. Uh, mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, probably maybe where Uganda exactly is, it's in East Africa. So, I'm in the central region, mm -hmm. and this is where this is where I stay stay in Kampala, yeah. Uganda. Yeah. Like you said, for those listeners who may not be so familiar with Uganda, would you like to share just some interesting details about your country? Anything you think we should know? Uh, well, what can I actually say? I mean, a lot of things about Uganda, but it's a beautiful country. Uganda has the mm -hmm. best weather. And what yeah. I can always say, yeah, uh, Uganda has the best weather. I mean, if any tourism destination, I think Uganda would be a place to come to. It's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful country. Right. So, Rita, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and how it led to what you're doing right now. Um, uh, where do I even start from? Well, um, <laughs> wherever you'd like to start, we're happy to listen. Okay, probably let me just start from uh, maybe my childhood. Um, growing up, I always loved to uh, be uh, or maybe to do something related to orphanage because I remember when we were young, we always had like, I mean, it has always been an extended family, not because maybe my mom or my dad has had a child from somewhere else, but we always had another extra person, probably maybe someone who has no parents, or maybe who is um, orphaned or someone who is less fortunate. So in that way, 
even in our neighborhood, I would actually see different kids, different, I mean, who would actually come home maybe for food, for something. So I always told my mother that one day when I grow up, I'm going to put up an orphanage, a place or a home that will help our young children, that will help the less fortunate. But of course, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to go about it. But of course, as a child, you always speak as a child. So, but of course, carrying that, um, I would see exactly what my mother used to do. And then uh, my mother passed away in 2012. May has her rest in peace. Actually, she passed on on the 11th, uh, mm. on the 11th of June. Oh, so today, no. I'm sorry. Today is a, an anniversary of her passing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, mm, yeah, that is fine. So yeah. she she was very helpful to community. She was a nurse, but she also used to talk about public health uh, on radios in um in in a district called Masindi. It's also in Uganda, and I appreciated always what she used to do. I mean, for us back home, um, we would never. We, we, in most cases, for example, like Christmas or Easter or something, we always got a lot of stuff, maybe like chicken, a bunch of um, bananas and stuff like that. All would come in appreciation of what our mother used to do, you know. So I picked it up from there and I always thought maybe I could actually be like her at a certain point in future. But of course, thinking that, okay, maybe I'll have like a hope, an orphanage or a home or something like that. Yeah, so um, I was talking about my grandmother. So when you talk, when when I talk about my grandmother, uh, she's a lady who actually used to do humanitarian work as well in the district where we were born, uh, that is Basindi district. And for any person who lives in Uganda, would come and identify a word named a maternity word named after my grandmother, which is Serena Ward. But it it happened that way because she used to do so much work for the women especially and the children she was always there for the women and the children so when you when you combine the two my mother my grandmother you know i think it is something or it is passion that really drives me to do what i have to do and sometimes i feel their legacy has to live on through me mm, yeah absolutely you come from a long line of strong women yeah so somehow um i think my background I've always desired to do that. And then later on, uh, when I joined um, secondary school, it is something that I always, I think, desire. I always wanted to see someone happy. I always wanted to see, you know, even when going to school, I would make sure that I tell my mother, if she's packing for me, you know, grab for school, she would make sure she includes grab for other kids at school. So that mm. was, you know, like, like, I mean, it, it is something that I always desire that if I'm taking stuff at school, I have to share with my other people, with other fellow students and stuff like that. So um, after secondary, uh, when I joined uh, my my A-level school, uh, there happened to be uh, Luberi News Network and I joined the Luberi News Network. By the way, I actually started like new, read, n reading news when I was young. Now my background on sports journalism, I started mm. reading news when I was um, about nine or ten years, mm. nine or ten years, reading school. They yeah, are reading the school news. So when I joined secondary, I would make sure that there is at least a news reading uh, club. Then when I joined my HSC, that is when I specialized in reading sports news. So since then, even when I finished school, the all A level school, 
uh, joining the institution or university, I just told my mother, you know what, I think I just need to do journalism because that is where my passion is. And when I did my first, um, my first job, I specialized in sports journalism instead of doing any other um, general news and stuff like that. So I decided mm-hmm. to do sports journalism uh, for the first TV that I worked with. So uh, my journey with, you know, sports journalism, then philanthropy, I think starts from there. It starts uh, from the time I was really very young. Is there a reason why you chose sports? Were you very, were you athletic? Did you always play sports? Or was there another reason why you selected sports in particular? For your for your focus in journalism, um, not really. I always loved sports. I always wanted to follow sports, but you know, I wasn't an athlete myself. Mm. I wasn't a sports. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really very active. Apart, you know, from doing you know school championships, athletics, doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I wasn't yeah. really so much to it as an active athlete. But I just admired. I always followed sports. And the fact that in most cases, wherever you go, uh, I think this was also another advantage. I mean, even if you told someone, oh, maybe my co-anchor, or are you, which news are you going to take on, sports or general? Anybody else would desire to do general because uh, sports news always had these difficult names and all that. So nobody always wanted to take on sports news. But me, I always wanted to take on sports news. I wouldn't care whether the names are very difficult to pronounce and stuff like that. But, you know. I did it with passion anyway, as well. Right, right. Okay, so then you went on to you went on to study. Tell us about your first career job in sports as a sports journalist. Uh, well, I joined sports journalism officially in 2010. That mm-hmm. is when I had, yeah, I mean, I had I was just about to graduate. I think it was more of internship. Then I started up with um, with, with a radio station just for internship. But later on, I joined a television called Channel Forty Four TV. It had just it was new, and there I was really very aggressive. Of course, as doing sports journalism, and in 2011, because of the aggressiveness that I had that period, I was voted as the best young sports reporter in Uganda. And then I was picked up to represent Uganda in China. Uh, that was the Shenzhen Universiade, uh, 2011 Shenzhen Universiade. So I attended that one. I mean, it was really an exciting journey. And of course, when I was picked up as um, as, as um, sports, as the best young sports journalist at that time, uh, it was my very good, my a great experience. It was my first time to travel. It was my first time to attend such a big event in a different yeah. country. Exciting. Exactly. It, really, it was very exciting. And you know how China uh, brands its activities, you know. I would just get goosebumps and I got an opportunity to go and, um, I mean, get on uh, the CNN, CNN, no, no, CNN TV. CNTV, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hosted there. So it was really amazing. It was a very good experience. And since then, but of course, with the lessons that we learned, because it was a young reporters program organized by the International Sports Press Association and uh, uh, the, the university, um, the International University Sports Association. So, but of course, they were teaching us different things. 
they taught us about public relations. They taught us about a couple of things. It was about marketing, sports journalism, and a couple of things. But among the things they taught, uh, they also taught us about giving back to community. You know, so somehow, of course, I picked up giving back to community in as much as it was deep within me. But um, at that point, someone really uh, talked about it at length. And of course, talking about public relations that, you know, as a journalist, you need to multitask. You can actually use your station as an address, but be able to produce other things for yourself or to even be a better person in future, mm. uh, you know. So so it was really, I mean, I must say my first experience, my first trip uh, to China was really uh, very, very awesome. And I think it was somehow a turning point uh, mm. in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of, I mean, I changed my mentality. I changed a couple of things. I started thinking bigger. I started thinking that, okay, there is nothing impossible in this world. It was really amazing. It was such an amazing period. Was it because by coming here, you were exposed to different things? What was it about being here and ex what you got exposed to here that, that was such a changing moment for you? Well, uh, exposure is actually very important. Yeah. Um, even in my life journey nowadays, even when I'm doing community work, I always want to create opportunities for different people, for the people that I'm working with to get that exposure. Even here back in Uganda, because me, sometimes I get a moment and just take someone for a date, maybe in a very good hotel. These kids mm. stay in the slum every day. They are not exposed to this kind of life. But if you mm. expose someone, tomorrow they're going to be thinking differently. Tomorrow they will read hard or even put in so much energy uh, to mm -hmm. go to school and do that so that they can achieve some of these things or they can achieve or they can get the money to go to such a restaurant. So to me, uh, going to China, I started thinking better and bigger. I always mm. felt okay, now probably this should not be the end of me coming to China because, you know, everything had been paid for. But I'm thinking, okay, now how can I make it? How can I try to change lives? How can somebody else uh, come for this particular event? You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it exposed me so much and that exposure really helped me so much to get better and to think so big for my future and for other people's future. Brilliant. So how long have you actually been a sports journalist now, Rita? Um... I think those are 10 years from 2010. Wow. Okay. And you are an anchor, you're on TV, you're a reporter, and you also do writing. Is that correct? Yeah, that is that is correct. I usually write for the International Sports Press Association. Then uh, TV, I, I work with a national broadcaster, Uganda Broadcasting Corporation, national, the national TV. Right. Yeah. And I know you told me you travel a lot to a lot of the major sporting events, right? International I, yes, sporting I do. events. I, oh, yes, I do. Because I am, and actually I'm still on the International Sports Press Association exe uh, as executive, executive as a member. Actually, mm -hmm. the first chairman to be on that, um, that board. And then I also do mentor young reporters uh, from Asia. So usually every year, like, like, like I think I've told you before that uh, every year between March and April, I am in Asia. There is a mentorship program, AIPS, uh, uh, organized by Hong Kong Sports Press Association. So we 
yeah so about um like 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 i've told you before uh, we usually have the mentorship program um in asia uh, between march and april we usually have two different camps in 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 Hong Kong and Nansha and Guangzhou city in China. So I go there for that mentorship program to also share my testimony that I started from zero. I started from nowhere. I started as a nobody at a young age. And now I've been, you know, getting, you know, into different ranks. I've been, you know, the vice president of Uganda Sports Press Association. I'm with the executive board of the International Sports Press Association Africa and a couple of of uh, such things and of course even the work that i'm doing giving back to community so i'm always there to mentor young journalists and um share my testimony yeah so you're the mentor of this pretty um high level sport it's the hong kong sports press association right yes, yeah interesting what has that experience been like mentoring um young people here in asia in Hong Kong? Um, what can I say? It's, it's usually a very good experience. It is very important. I mean, you feel, you feel excited or you feel that you've done something uh, when you pass on your knowledge to somebody else. It is, I mean, I, feel, I always feel fulfilled if I teach somebody or share my testimony with someone and they pick something from it and they learn from it because sometimes you get someone to share with you and they tell you, okay, um, Madam Rita, we learned something from you. You told you told me this, and I'm doing this. You know, such testimonies really encourage me and inspire me a lot. Yeah, definitely. And now, I'd love for you to jump into the topic that we're going to explore today, which is how sports can help to fight challenges in communities, and how your startup is doing just that. So, would you like to tell us about? the Aliguma Foundation? Oh, yes, uh, that is not a problem. Um, Aliguma Foundation is um, a non-government organization. Okay, it's uh, an NGO, okay. Yes, it's a fully NGO, which is, which is geared towards um, empowering the women and the children, the youth in communities here in Uganda. Mm -hmm. um, we use through sports. We use sports to address challenges in communities here in Uganda and I've actually seen that work. I have seen many testimonies come out of that. Yeah, so you're using sports and education to empower children and you mentioned women as well, right? Yes, because so we believe mm -hmm. mm, yeah, we yes. believe if you empower a child and you have abandoned the mother, you've not done anything for the mother, then you've, you've not done so much. Because we believe the children are with their mothers in most cases. And most of the mothers in this community are single, either single mothers or the kids are just living with their guardians and stuff like that. And now, if probably maybe an overview about um, this, this this organization, uh, where we are best, we are best in the slums of Acholi quarters, apparently. Uh, but this is a community of people who were, who were, who were maybe, uh, can I say maybe IDPs who were just displaced, who were from the, who were affected by the Konya rebel wars during the 1990s, uh, mm. you know. So most of them 
this so it's more like they're refugees in their own country they were just settled there uh for for just you know a moment but of course i know one time they might even be evicted like it has happened in other communities so we decided to bring to use sports into this community because we felt a lot was i mean a lot was lacking there was a lot of you know theft i mean i do names and and a couple of evils that come because of poverty and lack of what to do you know right now you mentioned the coney war i don't know much about about this but i i'm aware that during war the men are the first to go so the men they die or you know they go out to fight the war and it's usually the women that are left alone with the children so i imagine that's also one of the reasons why this particular community has so many women and and children i guess there aren't a lot of men around right is that a correct oh, assumption yeah yeah, yeah that, is, that is that is very true that yeah. is very true this is yeah they were affected by the by, by that war but of course mm-hmm. it, it came to an end but of course most of them even if you ask them uh they cannot go back because their land uh, their properties their land property and everything were grabbed so they have wow. no homes wow. to go back to it. okay okay so how is your foundation helping uh these women and children can you tell us a little bit about the programs and how they work uh well um most of the things much of it uh, it is best we are best we are best on um, sport because mm-hmm. that is how we started uh this organization started in 2017 uh okay. when i was just working down in the slums of actually quarters and then found this little beautiful girl called janat hitting stones so hard but this was a stone quarry but it was supposed to be school time so i wondered of course with the journalism character within me i asked why she was under the sun and it is school time why she's not in class then she told me that she was trying she had been chased away from school and uh, that she was trying to you know hit the stones and do what uh, make a contribution towards uh, the fees that her mother mm. pays yeah living with her mother so i was really very touched i believe that okay now and you know her school fees her tuition was really little money about 50 that that was that is what she needed back to be back in class so i felt okay now i think i can actually do something i went and picked out my savings and you know took the money to school and left her with some pocket money and stuff like that so my birthday was around the corner so i felt okay now i think i should do something for this community instead of throwing myself a birthday cake and stuff i should mm-hmm. do something for these people for the mothers so i you know like um I, i told my followers on tv i told my colleagues on facebook that here um my birthday should be special this time round let us um help a mother let us help the children of a chole quarters and boom it worked out a couple of people you know sent in you know what items they sent in you know this and that so we bought stuff um but you know going getting to this community with the mothers and stuff giving yeah. them just about of giving them a kilogram of sugar giving them some clothes they were really very excited they could look at you as an angel at that particular time so i felt okay i think uh, i can do much more it shouldn't just be a one off i can actually do even extra right right as born so yes on my birthday 
Um, I went and celebrated with them. They were really excited. And so that is how we continued. And I felt, okay, now with the sports uh, um, ideas that I have, this community needs sports, something, an activity that can always bring kids together instead of going to the, you know, picking rubbish, crop business, idleness and all that. You'd rather keep mm-hmm. them busy on the pitch. Then uh, mm-hmm. with the sports now, like, okay, now it is football, but I think the kids also need to, they need food. So we mm. also started that program of the feeding program. We started, you know, every time we're having a game, at least we make sure we provide a meal for the children and the mothers who are available. And then we realized, okay, a couple of kids are not in school. And, you know, we have some bright kids, they are talented. But now, even if some, uh, if a kid is talented, they deserve to go to school. Yeah. Uh, so we're engaging these children in uh, in football. We realized, okay, there are some kids who are talented who needed school, at least mm. decent age. So we felt, okay, now I think we just need to launch into our uh, education program. And then we started uh, looking out for scholarships or sponsors or partners who can pay school fees for some of the children. So apparently, as I speak, at least we have about 50 children in school. It's a small number. We pray that it gets better uh, or we take more to school. Uh, uh, 30 children are in boarding section and then the, some other kids, uh, in 10 are in institution. That one is, that those are for the youth. And then other kids are coming from home, are studying from within the community. But of course, we always pray that we, you know, we, we, we get more kids into school because there are very many kids that are talented, uh, but they're not in school. And then again, we went after that, we realized, okay, now our kid has to be living healthy. So we always partner with, you know, like maybe Rotary Club or any other good well-wisher who comes on board to provide um free medication for the people, uh, free counseling services. We always try to do that at least like four times a year. And then you do cancer checkups, you know, basic medical checkups and all that. We always do that at least four times a year. Yeah. And then we got into the empowerment program for the mothers where we have a shoemaking project. We realize that now the mothers need something or extra income instead of getting into stone quarry and just bidding. So we encourage them, you know, to start a shoemaking project, which was... uh, uh, sponsored by one of the partners that we have. So we started up, you know, we bought the machines, we bought um, the, the materials that they need to start with. So that is uh, that is where we are, apparently, at least education, health, and then um, a feeding program, then a skills and empowerment program. Okay, so you've got a lot of different programs, Rita. Wow. You do a lot. <laughs> yeah, because because we realize all of them move together. Yeah, exactly. They're all connected. But the but the sporting aspect of it is, I guess that's just that's more for the children, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's more for the children. It's more for the children. I don't know if I told you about the slam soccer that we always hold every year. No, please tell us more about it. Yeah, I think that one is the biggest. It's now becoming even bigger and better. Uh, now we we realize, okay, I think we can put up a competition within the slum, like you would see maybe league, a league or maybe clubs, 
coming together they are in a competition so now we decided that every december uh, we have this championship slam soccer tournament where we have uh, the slums in the nearby in the neighborhood coming together uh, to participate in this tournament so who, uh, the winner will always of course be rewarded with something so you know at first we had we, we had little apart from the trophy and gold and medals and stuff like that but then uh, the third edition uh, was held the finals were held in in, in January and then we hosted mm-hmm. the representative of uh, UNHCR United uh, Nations Refugees representative here in Uganda this yeah. is an opportunity to give to the 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 the, the, the community people um, you know coming together playing football and you know it's a tournament it's a championship and then of course the winner takes a trophy we give them different prizes participation prizes and all that yeah you know i'm on your website right now everybody should check it out aliguma a l i g u m a foundation.org and you've got a really new um interesting initiative that you're working on would you like to tell us about it regarding the land the land project oh yes um thank you very much for giving me that opportunity as well i didn't know you didn't think about it uh well yeah it's, it's... come on <laughs> that's why you're on the podcast oh. girl <laughs> so uh... About the land, I mean, I realized that, okay, now, uh, first of all, the land that we are using for football, it's not ours, it's just for community, and mm-hmm. you never know anything can happen, and, you know, maybe people in this community might be evicted. Remember, I told you, there are more of refugees in their own country. They live in this area because that is where they are placed after the Cold War Wars uh, in the northern Uganda. So uh, we are looking out for land where we can put our empowerment center where we shall have um, our sports facility where we shall host this slam soccer tournament where we shall have our skills training center uh, where our women will be skilled where the children will be skilled you know and we uh, that where we shall have our education center as well so we identified um, six acres of land and we paid uh, some bit of money uh, on that land, but we was we are paying in installments, and we need to have uh, paid or cleared the land by September, so that we can still we can start operating from there. So it is the latest project that we really need uh, support. We need money to get that out, and at least we start something with this empowerment center where people can be really really empowered in sports, in health, in education, in skills, and all that. Yeah. So you've got a lot. I just want to recap all your programs so everybody can understand the different initiatives that you have. You have the community, you have the sporting events. You mentioned uh, slum soccer. So you say soccer in fo- in Uganda or you say football? No, we call it we, we call it football, football or soccer. It's ah, either way. Interesting. Okay, cool. So you've got that that you do um and then you you have the empowerment through skills training, okay? Different events with speakers and workshops. Then you've got yeah. um education, you mentioned that schooling for the children, yeah? Okay. Mm. And then you've got health healthcare and I guess this yes. can be the healthcare. I guess can be anything, really. It's such a broad range, but it's mostly support for the moms, right? Yes, please. And this is something that we do every year with the Rotary Club. 
um, to, 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 to provide good health for the mothers, uh, counseling, I mean, testing, H HIV, cancer, and stuff like that. But of course, we always follow up uh, the people that they have tested. And gyno, gyno, you know, your regular gynecological tests and exams and all that kind of stuff too, right? So like overall women's health stuff. Okay, great, great, great. Do you focus on things like um, related to period poverty? So pads for girls and that kind of thing? Yes, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. I think that, also, I mean, I think it also falls under health. Yeah. Uh, because, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because we've always looked out, you know, for people who can help our girls uh, in this community. Honestly, uh, if someone cannot afford a meal every day, then mm -hmm. how would they be able to afford a pad or maybe a pack of pads every sure. every month? Uh, yeah, it is, for it sure. is actually very difficult. So sometimes we always look out for such people to help us. I mean, of course, it, it can never be enough, and you can't. It can't be a one-off. You just have to. To, to to provide for to, to whenever we can we need to we always look out for people who can provide uh, parts for these girls and the, the mothers in the community yeah and then it had then you mentioned uh child abuse you you have child protection as a as a program and then just um providing food right so you cover the entire gamut Yes, yes, yes. You know, but but we realize actually most of the activities that we are doing they just work together. They, yeah, they do. I mean, if you yeah, if you're using sports, for example, in the latest case, uh, we have this beautiful girl who is in who who had come uh, to around the pitch, and you know, but you could tell there was something wrong, and uh, it was the last slam soccer that we had in January. And then, you know, finding out, getting to know who she is. She's a girl who had been abused by an uncle, raped many times. And, you know, mm. you would actually tell that the girl was not walking rightly. So we mm. get deep down to the story. We realize, okay, there is so much sexual abuse in this community. And mm. if we are, and, and it is sport, it is football that has brought this girl close to us. And we have gotten to know her through sport. Um, it was a very sad story. We got to police. We did this and that and that. We took her to school. She's in boarding school now on our education program now. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I imagine these, these, um, this particular community has uh, several cases like that. So you mentioned she was being raped by her uncle and she was taken away. But then what happens to the men? Who I know inflict, we took inflict these crimes on these young children, these yeah. vulnerable children. We took yeah. this case to police. We 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 tried, uh, but you know the time that we looked out for the uncle. Once he realized that uh, he's on, he, he's being looked out for. He went on the run. Up to now, we've never known where he went. Mm, mm. You know this is. This is uh, something just came to mind about Uganda that I learned recently. Uganda, is it true that Uganda hosts the largest number of refugees on the African continent? Is that true? Yeah, that is true. So you're dealing with millions of refugees coming in from, I guess, you know, everywhere else in, in the continent. It could be South Sudan. Yeah. It could be... It could be anywhere else, the Congo, maybe the DRC. 
and so on. And then you have internal communities of refugees who've been displaced by, I guess, in internal wars. You mentioned the Komi War or the Koni War. So how how is Uganda managing the, all of this? I guess it's difficult, and that's where you come into play, your organization. I know. I remember one time, actually, I think CNN mentioned that Uganda is the most generous country in the world. Because they host, be. a, they yeah. host a number of refugees from different countries. Somalia, Mogadishu, whatever their wars. I mean, Uganda has always been home to many people. But why uh, Uganda? But is, why, why Uganda, though? Why is Uganda the place? Is it the government has said... We we has opened its arms, or what's what's the history behind that? Yeah, that is what I can say. Uganda has opened its arms uh, mm. to different countries, and and mm. and if you look at uh, you know security and stuff like that, Uganda has always provided so much of its security to other uh, neighboring countries. So I think with that connection with security, and then having to bring these people into this country, it it, it I mean they just work along. Yeah, but uh, they're hosting external refugees, and then there's also local refugees. I, I imagine there's a lot of pressure on the system. I know. Uh, I mean, it, it, definitely there is. And that is why some of the organizations like us should be able to come in to help or to give uh, the government a hand. Okay. So where where do you see, where, or where would you like, rather, this organization to be? say, five, five years from now? Uh, well, this is actually very good. Um, what I actually see in the next five years, I strongly believe um, when, we, when, we, when, we pay, when we clear the debt for our land, then we can start um, looking out for funders or looking out for uh, funds to start our empowerment center. I strongly believe in the next five years, at least we should have our um, our sports facility, which will actually, you know, educate or even be there to identify talent in different communities. Uh, we should be able to have an empowerment center where people will get skills and get employed. And, you know, because I believe that one is more sustainable. I also mm. believe that it's an organization that will be able to pay or to create employment uh, for some people in mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. be able to recruit to be able to employ and you know um also in that way we are fighting the the the, the, the issue of unemployment in our society so i strongly believe in the next five years we should be able to to do a couple of things we should have our structures we should have kids playing football we should have talent identified we should have testimonies coming through our organization okay so here's the thing how do you feel about transitioning the Aleguma Foundation from a nonprofit to an actual for-profit business? Do you think that's possible? I have not really thought about it. Uh, mm -hmm. My whole idea is probably maybe to empower, uh, mm -hmm. to provide skills to people, and then mm -hmm. let them go and for themselves with the skills attained. Yeah, yeah. It was just it's it's. It's something that I mention because as I asked you, where do you see the organization five years from now? Like if you wanted it to be sustainable and to really have high impact, do you think 
it would be beneficial to turn it into something. I mean, obviously doing everything that you do now, but just change the structure of it so that it could be, you know, like a startup and then a business that's profitable. And then you could really drive some change. Or do you think, or do you think, you think that would change things and then it would kind of lose what you're trying to achieve? That, that was kind of the reason why I asked about where you see it in five years. Oh, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, probably, maybe something that we are thinking about, actually something that we even want to start as soon as possible. Because now the pandemic has also got us thinking that, okay, now, uh, a couple of people call you and they need food, they need that, they need this. But now I realize that, okay, as even the NGO, if we get into agriculture, that would actually be very good. It would be very sustainable. Yeah, you you, 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 you do agriculture for... Mm -hmm. uh, is to sell out to you know to make the organization uh, depend on itself and also to support our people with the food that we produce you know yeah. that is what i'm wondering. yeah yeah definitely i mean this this transition obviously is something that you have to think through and mm -hmm. you know it has to happen at the right time whether you want it to just completely start restart it all over again or if if you wanted to just change it legally. I mean, essentially it's just, it's a business, but for social good. So you'd be more of a social, you're a social entrepreneur, essentially. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's just something yeah. to, to, um, to consider, but anyway, so how, how can, um, our community support the Aleguma foundation? Um, I very much appreciate, um, first of all, the people who have been very supportive to the organization yeah. since uh, since our time of inception mm -hmm. and i hope that we get more people to support and even advisors pray for us and all that uh, but through yeah. our platform you know, you you can visit our platform you know www.thealigumafoundation.org or on our Twitter handle it's at aliguma foundation and then on Facebook is the Aliguma Foundation. So with these platforms, uh, you can always uh, look at all the details that we th that you need to support. And uh, we have our account number on the website. We have our account number on uh, Facebook. We have all uh, these details uh, just in case someone wants to support uh, financially or physically. Or to partner with you, right? Because you've got several partners okay. that you work with. You've got a lot of list a long list of partners that you work with so maybe if someone wanted to partner with you would you be open to that as well like a startup partnering with you or a consultancy or something like that yeah that is that is, is very this? much broken yeah that is very much yeah. broken. I'm already that. yes and for the the land um campaign is there a special website that people can go to to donate to that the land fundraiser yes or would they um, do that on your website as well we are doing that on our website, but we also started the GoFundMe campaign, which is on on Facebook as well. So we okay. are trying to share that more often on Facebook and on Twitter. The GoFundMe campaign gives you all the details uh, on how to donate, on how to support the land project. Yeah. Uh, the account is with the account number for Uganda and USA. We are partnering with uh, WOPI Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, and in office in Boston, so they are helping us, you know, to use uh, to to fundraise. So mm -hmm. some of the monies will go on um, the, the, the 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 account in USA, which is mm -hmm. Boston. Uh, mm -hmm. But as well, 
we have the Ugandan account number, we have a Ugandan mobile money number, and then the cash app for USA. But as well, Western Union can as well work as long as you, 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 you get to us or maybe through our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and the website or email. Yeah, and, and people should know that it's, you're trying to buy six acres of land and it costs roughly 15, the equivalent of $15,000. And yes, with, with, with that land, you're hoping to, to build your actual, the actual building, the facilities there. Yes? Yes, please. Yes, please. Anne. Great, 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 great. Okay, all of that we'll put. Is there a, t a time frame on this or is it long, is it long term? Uh, is there, it is a, there is a Yeah, um, because we, we must have cleared this land by September. So Sorry. we have about. Yeah, we, we must have cleared the land by September. That is why when we put up a GoFundMe campaign, we put the we put that timeline over September. Yeah. One final thing I want to I want to know from you is how has the COVID nineteen um, pandemic affected the people in your community that you're supporting? Um. Like it has, you know, the, the pandemic has really affected most of us. It has affected a couple of people globally, but mm -hmm. definitely when you come into our community, uh, first of all, even the, the community, the, the education program is now on hold. Everything is on hold. Sport is on hold. Everything. But again, the most difficult thing during this condition, this situation, our people run hand to mouth, you mm. know. So it's very difficult to serve or to to find meals now it's been difficult even the times we did have covid you would have to look out for food and stuff but now imagine the time of covid um people are starving you get different calls every day we've been trying to look out for people who can support especially in food and uh you know at least if we can try to provide whatever we can maybe weekly or something like that because government tried to provide some food but some got some did gate uh, but it's been a tough season, especially when it comes to food. And those are the basic mm. needs. Yeah, it's not been very easy. Most of them are not really doing well. They're starving in as much as, yes, we are doing something, providing some little food, but we cannot do so much. Yeah, yeah. And for people who want to know more, they can just research the, is it Acholi or Acholi Quarters? Acholi Quarters, Acholi Quarters, A C H O L I, Acholi Quarters, Banda, Uganda. Banda, Uganda, Acholi Quarters. Cool. I'll be looking into that as well. I'm really curious. I want to know more about the Acholi Quarters. Brilliant. Well, I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing, Rita. And um, what words of encouragement would you like to share with? Well, there's, I guess there's, there's, there's two things I'm interested in because you're a sports journalist and yeah. I don't believe there are a lot of women in this field, right? I know. Yeah. We have few. Yeah. Yeah. We're a few. So there's that. What words of encouragement would you like to offer to maybe um, other women who want to get or, or younger women listening who want to get into that field? And then also, for those who, like yourself, you've identified that there's a problem in your community and you're working towards solving it. I mean, you started this, your foundation three years ago. 
So it's still quite young, but it's it's obviously going to develop, it's going to grow, it's going to change, it's going to get better. So what what would you like to share for, from that regard, like lessons that you've learned from building this organization? So it's two separate questions, if you don't mind answering. Yeah, uh, maybe words of encouragement, what I can actually tell people out there. I, I want some people to know that if you focus on doing something, you can actually achieve it. I always believe you can become what you deeply believe in. So because I have the passion for this, it is passion that drives me. And I strongly believe I will become that what I think I can become. Mm. For the good generation, for the good, maybe for even your own legacy, it is important to always mm. focus hard, don't never lose focus, never give up. However, uh, however challenging some things could be, always look at, at the positive side of it. And mm. then the question you asked. Yeah, I wanted to know, for someone like yourself, I mean, you're just one woman and you've taken on this massive task of trying to help and support this community. And mm. what lessons ha have you learned so far? Because, I mean, it's still like everybody else in our community. It's still early. You know, we're all early stage here. We're all learning. We're all growing. And you've started something just out of, you know, you like you said, you went and you saw this girl and it was just like, I have to do something about it right now you've been doing this for three years what lessons have you learned from doing this that you'd like to share with us yes uh well i mean a couple of lessons learned from this uh, at first i thought maybe you know it is going to be a bed of roses if you come out to help genuinely some people most of everyone is going to appreciate it and stuff like that and you know but um one thing now i'm telling you know people who are especially are doing or who are in the same industry do not accept actually don't don't think that you're going to be appreciated by everyone even however good you are you might actually instead Somebody else would, will think otherwise, you know. If you're struggling to do something for the community, just do it for maybe for a reward to come from somewhere else. Never mm. do something expecting a reward from this particular community or maybe ex expecting them to appreciate you in a way or the other. Sometimes people will even abuse you. But if you are focused and you're determined, always remember that there is that one particular person whose life you will change and whose life will, will, will change totally forever, and they will always look at you as a hero. That is something that I have learned. Of course, I've got challenges as a person. That sometimes you get into these communities, you don't have this, you don't have enough money, you don't have this, and yet you actually need to provide for these people, but you cannot. You know, mm. you, you get to ground, uh, maybe you're trying to take children back to school, you're telling these parents, maybe, okay, maybe make just a simple contribution of transport. And then maybe somebody else will not even be bothered to do anything about it. But, you know, always remember to, to look at the innocent child, the innocent person, the innocent child. The mother might not even be bothered. But how about this innocent girl who wants to go to school? Are you just going to abandon her because of what the mother is saying? Because sometimes even dealing with old people is not easy. It's much easier maybe dealing with the young kids because you will tell them what to do and they will accept. But anything that involves mature people, 
or mm-hmm. people sometimes you even think you're getting a lot of money, you're making money out of them. And yet, indeed, it is just a goodwill. It is just a good thing that you want to provide for these people. So don't, don't be intimidated. Those are some of the challenges you face. But don't be intimidated, but just do something expecting a reward from somewhere else or a reward from God, but not from these particular people that you're helping. Mm, Wow. Yeah. So essentially, we should be laying the groundwork. We should be planting the seeds so that things can germinate, they can flourish and they can grow, but not so that we should be looking for some kind of reward in return. Just plant the exactly. seeds. Just plant the seeds. Exactly. Yeah. If you look for the rewards in return, you might be disappointed. And you might give up, right? Because that's that's it not a good reason to do something because you want a reward. You should do it because you genuinely want to, to do something, right? Exactly. Exactly. That is my belief. Awesome. Brilliant. Wow. Yeah. That was great. Thank you so much, Rita. So putting all of this aside, Rita. So you're a journalist, yes. right? So on a scale from one to 10, did I ask you really good journalistic questions in this podcast on a scale of one to 10? Be honest, be honest. Be honest, Rita, be honest. By the way, huh? Very good, by the way. Very, very good, very good. <laughs> a TV presenter or something, you should be a radio presenter, you know. You, t- you, should, you should be a, a TV host. Yeah. Okay. You okay. are good, very calm, you know. Mm. Okay, thank you, my dear. Vote of confidence for me. Very good. Thank you so much. All right. So it was really a pleasure. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast again in the future to see how things have evolved. Because I have a very strong feeling that things are going to evolve for you in, in you know, oh, over the next maybe two or three years or so. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That, I mean, that is very encouraging. I feel motivated. I should pinch myself. <laughs> no, don't pinch yourself. Just keep planting the seeds like you told us. Yes, please. Okay, awesome. Okay, well, that's it for now, folks. Remember to keep planting the seeds. And until next time, bye for now. Hey there, rare ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listening across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.